Welcome to Moving Out of Trauma, a podcast made to support trauma survivors with actionable steps and resources so they can start moving out of trauma and into the life that they're craving. I'm the host, Candace Lederger, EMDR therapist, yoga teacher, first time mom, and dog enthusiast. I am here in Phoenix, Arizona, and I am so excited about today's episode. But before we dive into today's episode of Moving Out of Trauma, I want to give you a few reminders. The first is that if you want to start practicing more mindfulness and incorporate more grounding skills in your daily life, but you've had some trouble getting started because of past trauma, I want to offer you a free trauma-informed beginner's guide to mindfulness workbook. I created this workbook with trauma in mind. You can get this free workbook as well as monthly updates about new content by heading over to soulmission-emdrtherapy.com slash podcast. You can sign up for our newsletter there and you will get this free workbook directly to your inbox that you can download as many times as you like and get updates when I update it as well. Again, that link is soulmission-emdrtherapy.com slash podcast. And a second reminder I want to give is at the end of this recording and the end of every episode for that matter, we will be giving you two resources that we often use in EMDR therapy, which are the container exercise as well as the state change place. So these exercises are visualization exercises that can help you transition from maybe a state of thinking about past trauma, awareness, learning something new into a more calm, more centered way of being so you can go on throughout your day. I hope these resources help and I would love to know your thoughts. All right, let's dive into today's episode. If you have been listening to this podcast and feeling like there is a certain topic or a certain professional that you might want to hear from, I invite you to voice that opinion. I am now looking into the next season of our podcast and developing an outline as to what I feel might be beneficial. However, the best way for me to do that is to know truly what's beneficial from the people that are listening. So I invite you to go to that same page, Soul Mission dash emdrtherapy.com slash podcast and there you will find a poll that you can take to provide that voice and you will receive a thank you email as well as be entered into a drawing to win a $50 visa gift card. So thank you so much for listening to this podcast and sharing your voice. I value all of your wisdom and all of your light. So today, out of moving out of trauma, I have Nicole Barrios. Uh, pronouns are she and her. And Nicole is a licensed acupuncturist and Chinese herbalist, as well as a 
and a shamanic practitioner in the state of Arizona. Uh, she owns and operates Path of Wellness Healing Arts, a family wellness clinic where she specializes in helping adults and children get natural relief from anxiety and stress. And I'm super excited to talk to her today about anxiety and stress and how acupuncture can help, but also how just emotions play out in our physical issues and how all of those things come together with trauma. So welcome, Nicole. Thank you so much for having me. You're so welcome. I'm glad that we can record today and I'm just excited for this conversation. So yeah. Yeah. Likewise. Awesome. So to start, I want to start with this quote and I say this on I think every episode now, if anyone knows the person who said this, so I can accredit them, I would love for you to share with me because I have not been able to find who said it, but the quote is knowing a person is like music. What attracts us to them is their melody. And as we get to know them, we learn their lyrics. And so I thought that was a cool part of a quote to just understand a little bit more about the professionals we work with on different levels and just the human complexities that are us. And yeah, I want to start that off today with, why are you passionate about this work that you do? Oh, so many reasons. <laughs> I've been in the profession for nine years now. So I'm, mm-hmm. it's sometimes hard for me to think back to like, how was I when I first got into acupuncture? Like, why did I first become passionate about this? <laughs> And it's evolved over the years too. But I think ultimately why I'm passionate about this is because healing is not linear. And people, especially in America, I feel like we have a, I think of it as a conveyor belt system of medicine. And that's honestly why I got into it and into acupuncture in the first place is because I felt like I was stuck on the conveyor belt and I wanted something different, but I'm passionate about doing what I do because I want people to know that they have, there's other things that they can do. It doesn't like healing isn't linear. Your treatment shouldn't be linear. There's more than one option. There's many ways to go about healing and recovery. It doesn't always have to involve medications or surgeries. There's just, there's so much out there that's available. And the more, the longer I'm in practice and the more that I work with people, the more true I believe that to be. And I just, I see so many people doing so many different things and yeah, like I I'm passionate about it because it's one, it's just really cool. I just, I love seeing all of the cool things that people are doing to help themselves and thinking outside the box. Yeah, absolutely. I I would a hundred percent agree with you. I think that we sometimes try to like treat the symptoms, but we don't treat the problems. And there's so many different ways someone can heal and really finding like what works for you right now in this moment um, might not be the same thing that works for you in five years, but like right now, like finding the healing path that you need right now is so important. And, and yeah, I agree. There's so many cool and interesting ways that people find for healing. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to start this podcast was just to expose more paths to healing and more people to different processes that, that could help. Yeah, and totally. Your passion. Yeah. And I I love that you're doing this podcast for that reason, by the way, because it's needed. So I'm glad you're getting this information out there. Thank you. I appreciate that. How does your personality show up in the room with your clients? 
I feel like it can't, this sounds funny. I feel like it can't not show up in the room. Like yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like I am my practice. Mm-hmm. And for something like Chinese medicine, like acupuncture is a part of Chinese medicine. There's different branches that fall underneath the scope of Chinese medicine. Acupuncture is just one part of it. But Chinese medicine is a way of life, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like you can learn Chinese medicine theory without becoming an acupuncturist. So it's, and it's old too. It's a really old medicine. It's been around for thousands of years and it it's withstood the test of time. It's one of the things that I love about it is that it was valid then and it's still valid now. It still works all these years later because it treats the individual as a whole and it takes into account many different things, including like how the weather affects people or where you're living, like how that affects you and what you're eating, how that affects you. So I feel like as far as how my personality shows up in the room, it's really just in the way I am and the way I come in and interact with my patients because I've been doing this medicine for so long. I feel like I can't not Mm. live and breathe Chinese medicine like to the point where I have to stop and uh, think about the words that I'm saying because I can easily fall into Mm. it it literally will sound like a different language where I start speaking Chinese medicine talk and I have to slow down and be like wait this person does they don't understand what I'm talking about I need to back it up here, put this into more layman terms. So yeah, I feel like my practice pretty much is my personality. Yeah. Yeah. It's really personal and you show up like in it because it's like the Chinese medicine. It sounds like it's really soaked into your life. That is so integral to your life. And so that being part of your profession or your profession is so it's interwoven. It sounds like. It is. It's very much interwoven. And it's one of the things I love about it too, is that it's, you can practice it in a clinical setting and then you can also practice it in your daily life. Yeah. I love that too, because then you're practicing what you preach. You're giving these individuals like, Hey, this is what works for this, or this could help with that. But then you're also using it in your own daily life, how it impacts you and just having that personal connection to it, I think is really cool. Yeah, that's actually really important to me. I've seen, (laughs) I don't know if you've ever seen a doctor who, like just a regular MD, who Mm -hmm. will tell you that you need to eat, you need to do all these things, but then you see them outside on their break smoking. And (laughs) I feel like credibility goes out the window when you see something like that. So I definitely try to practice what I preach. And Mm -hmm. it's important, like it's important to walk your talk. Yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree. What is the number one thing you wish everyone in the world would know? I don't know if you want to answer as far as like Chinese medicine or acupuncture or or how you feel like would be the best, the best way to go about that part. But just thinking about how, what you would want someone to know about this work. One thing I wish everybody would know. It's hard to think of just one thing. Can (laughs) I give you... Can I give you yeah. two things? Okay. Please do. Number one, I wish everybody would get acupuncture or Chinese medicine before they go to other healthcare mm. providers, mm. Um, yeah. unless it's something really serious that they like need to go to a hospital for or something. But mm. if somebody has back pain or stress or anxiety, I really wish that the world would just think of Chinese medicine as a first line of defense because a lot of times it can prevent people from 
having to get surgeries that might not be necessary, especially for like back pain or gallbladders. I feel like a lot of people have their gallbladders removed when they Mm -hmm. don't really need to be. A lot of times if you get something like acupuncture before you go to a doctor, you can save your gallbladder. Yeah. And same with the stress and anxiety stuff. Like a lot of times people can avoid having to go on anti-anxiety medications or antidepressants if they just had different tools that they used before they went into the the conveyor belt. So that that's like number one. I wish everybody was aware that this was a, a tool that they can use as a primary, like first line of defense. And then obviously if it's not helping, which is rare when it doesn't help in, in some way, then yes, mm-hmm. go to your doctor. Maybe you do need a surgery. Maybe you do need a medication. Like I'm not opposed to people sure. using those. I just, a lot of times I think there's, they're not entirely necessary for a person. So that would be number one. Number two is I wish everybody knew that acupuncture really doesn't hurt. Mm. It is not nearly as scary as it sounds. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to get into that a little bit more with you because I know when we were having like our our first phone call, you explained that to me (laughs) because I still have not tried acupuncture, which is on my list of things to do. And we were talking about, you explained a little bit more of like the technique and what happens, like what actually happens to alleviate some of that fear. So I'd love to touch on that before, before we really dive into that topic, if that's okay. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It, first of all, I I always like to tell people, whatever you've seen in movies or on TV, just try to forget about that. Mm. (laughs) Like whenever, if you ever see acupuncture in a movie or on a TV show, there's a, I'm pretty sure it's a Saturday night live skit in particular that it's funny, but it's also so bad for the profession (laughs) because it's very misleading about what acupuncture is actually like in that particular skit, there's like blood everywhere. It's funny, but it's also awful. I'm like, Oh my God, no, this is not how it works. Reality. Yeah. That is not reality. Whatever you've seen on TV, just throw it out the window because it is not an accurate Mm -hmm. depiction of what acupuncture is really like. So first of all, the, the acupuncture needles themselves, they're sterile. A lot of people Mm -hmm. will ask me that. Yes, they're sterile. They're single use. So once they've been used on a person, they get put into a sharps container and disposed of. So Mm -hmm. there's no, (laughs) no dirty needles being used. They're also solid, which means there's nothing inside of them. Some people will ask me if there's like something on the needles or something in the needles. Like they're wondering Mm -hmm. if they're being injected with something. No, not being injected with anything. You're literally just being poked (laughs) with an empty, like solid needle. They are, they're made to be super sharp and they are coated in silicone. The reason for that is because when they get punctured into the skin, it's the sharpness of them. It makes it so that it goes in really fast and it's Mm -hmm. as pain-free as possible. And then the silicone just helps the needle to glide in super easily. So there's no friction or any discomfort. Pretty much all acupuncture needles today, they come with a guide tube. Mm -hmm. So it's a plastic guide tube. You literally just put one needle inside the guide tube. And then the guide tube is what goes on the person's skin. It helps with locating the points that you're going to be using. 
So most people, that's all they feel. They just feel yeah. the plastic guide tube on the skin. And then any trained acupuncturist, like any acupuncturist has gone through like several thousand hours of clinical training in school before mm-hmm. they even can get their license. So they've already got experience even right out of school. <laughs> so yeah. anybody who's got a license or who's a licensed acupuncturist will be able to safely and like as pain-free as possible, insert needles into points. And it's meant to be fast. So like the guide tube goes on the skin, the needle gets just tapped in. Most people don't really feel anything at all. For people who are nervous or who have never had acupuncture before, I it depends on the person and what would make them feel more comfortable. I will offer to do a demonstration on myself first, if that makes them comfortable. That's how I do it with kids, actually. Not all adults want to see the needles and that's fine. So for them, they just will close their eyes (laughs) and I'll just Mm -hmm. tell them where I'm going to be touching them first. I usually start with less sensitive points, which um, typically are around the knees and the elbows. There's just less nerve endings there. So it's less sensitive. And I'll usually take my fingers and stimulate the points, just my fingers, no needle that desensitizes it. Hmm. And then I'll place the guide tube on the skin. If it helps them, I'll have the patient breathe, Hmm. take a big breath in. And on the exhale is when I'll tap the needle in. And usually they're so busy focusing on their breathing and every, whatever is going on for them that they don't even notice the needle going in. And then Mm -hmm. they'll usually, if they're not looking, they'll usually ask me, did you do it? I'm like, yeah, it's already in. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So it's, and by that point, when they realize, oh, that was nothing, that is nothing like Mm -hmm. getting a shot. It's nothing like having your blood drawn. Mm -hmm. It's a little challenging for acupuncturists when people have bad experiences with shots or blood draws, because they just assume that all needles are created equal, which they're not. Right. These aren't syringes that we're using. In fact, you can, depending on the gauge of the needle you're using, you can fit anywhere from 10 to 15 acupuncture needles inside of the needle part of a syringe. So they're hair fine. They're flexible. Like they bend a little bit. Yeah. The needles really aren't scary. Yeah. And if you're working with somebody who's anxious or has never, who's never had it before, I do my best to go out of my way to make it as comfortable and as safe as possible for them to make them feel as safe as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Like you really approach the situation and approach the people that you're working with a lot of like knowledge sharing, I feel like. And I feel like when we know more, we're more comfortable with things and it just helps us to like accustom ourselves to it. And I know when you shared the the specific part about the needles almost being like hair fine and even like bendable, that made me, I was like, oh, okay. Like I could see it in my brain instead of the needles that I'm used to when getting a shot or a blood draw. Like it is different. It's, it's not what, again, we've made it out to be maybe in our minds. Oh, totally. I I actually just this week had somebody who's never had acupuncture before. They asked me if getting acupuncture felt like poking your finger with a sewing needle. Oh, And yeah, my response to that was poking your needle with the sewing, poking your finger with the sewing needle hurts. Like that sucks when you do that. I'm like, acupuncture does not feel like that. And I've got a picture. I I don't know where it is on my website or something, but there's like a picture that somebody took under a microscope where they compared a syringe to a sewing needle to an acupuncture needle. Like they're all side by side. Yeah. 
And yeah, sewing needles are, they're pretty big, <laughs> especially compared to acupuncture needles. So when I, when that person asked me that, I'm like, oh no, poking yourself with a sewing needle really isn't pleasant. Acupuncture <laughs> is not like that. <laughs> hmm, that's a good comparison. That's a good yeah. comparison. Yeah. Oh, I'll have to look at that picture. I'm curious. So diving into our topic today, and I, we touched a little bit on that, like the fact that a lot of the people that are coming in to see you come in with the stress and anxiety, right? And I'm curious because as how I understand it and within what I do within therapy, so many of the people that I see have all this built up stuff in their bodies and their systems, just from previous trauma, past experiences, just really not being able to just complete that that stress response cycle, right? So their bodies are always in this fight, flight, freeze, fawn mode. And so I'm curious how that plays a part in the work that you do. Actually, that's one of the reasons why acupuncture is so good for people who are going through any of that is because by its very nature, it removes the body from fight or flight mode. Mm. And it puts you into the parasympathetic state where Mm. you're more, where you can rest and you can digest and those cortisol and adrenaline and all of the stress hormones can finally calm mm-hmm. down. But you have to be able to get the person comfortable enough to actually mm-hmm. give them the acupuncture before that can happen. Sure. Um, but when they are, like when they're ready and they're open to trying something new, it's very cool how, mm-hmm. like, how fast it can work for one and how tangible the results are like the patient will notice it if not right away, then for sure. By the time they get up and they start walking around and they notice, Whoa, I haven't felt this calm. And I don't even know how long. And it's really cool as a practitioner to be able to see these results. It's almost like you can physically see the tension leaving their body. Mm. It's very rewarding actually to see that happen. I'm sure. So tell us a little bit about like, how does that work? If you you were going to explain the science more in layman's terms, but like, how does that work? How does the acupuncture help the body come out of that fight or flight mode? Yeah. So the main, there's a couple of different ways that acupuncture works. One of the main things that it does is it just helps to regulate the nervous system. And there's a a couple of different ways that it does that. First of all, the actual act of puncturing the skin with an acupuncture needle, it creates what's called a micro tear. So it's just a tiny injury, like it it excites the body out into thinking that an injury has occurred, but there's no injury. Like once the acupuncture needle is removed, like any tiny tear or hole that's been created by this super thin needle automatically closes up. So there's no actual injury but the body reacts as if there was. So it will, it will stimulate the healing process. Like all of the, the mechanisms that work when you like cut your finger, for example, like the healing response that helps your blood to clot and helps to repair the wounds. Like all of that comes into play when you get acupuncture, but there's actually nothing that needs to be repaired. <laughs> so yeah. it stimulates the healing response. It just, it, it gets the body to do what it already does naturally. It just mm-hmm. like, supercharges it and makes it more effective. Mm. What, what it also does is it, it 
balances out the body's hormones. So I just mentioned a few minutes ago, the cortisol and the adrenaline, like the Mm -hmm. stress hormones, like these are, this is what your body naturally produces when you're in a state of anxiety or in fight or flight mode and getting acupuncture like naturally lowers those levels, but it will Mm -hmm. also boost the body's endorphins. Those are like Mm -hmm. the feel good hormones. If you get a really good workout or something and you feel high afterwards, like those are endorphins. Mm -hmm. So when people get acupuncture and afterwards, it is not uncommon to feel a little loopy. Same thing happens when you get a massage too. I think it's just Mm -hmm. a little more intense when you get acupuncture, but that loopy feeling is because stress hormones were reduced good feeling hormones were increased. So it's like it shifts what's happening within your body. It also, this is pretty cool. This is why acupuncture is so good for treating pain in particular. Like a lot of people at the very least know that about acupuncture. Like that's the thing that it can do. It stimulates your opioid receptors. So we, the body has natural opioid receptors that Mm -hmm. help with pain relief opioids can also do that, like taking opioids, but those can be, obviously they have their own problems. They can be addictive. Acupuncture stimulates those naturally, like without the need for, for opioids. It will also decrease any swelling, any inflammation, increases blood flow and circulation, depending on what your treatment is focused on. If somebody's coming in for knee pain, for example, you might be more focused on generating more blood flow to the knee, Hmm. but it also just increases circulation overall. There's pretty cool MRI studies that they've done where they'll do like before and after acupuncture MRIs and it'll show like what happens in the physical body. It'll also show like what happens in the brain and like different areas of the brain that get activated during an acupuncture session. So it's very cool, but ultimately it just helps the body to do what it already does. It just makes it better. But really when you calm the nervous system, everything will get better naturally. Yeah. (laughs) Regulate the nervous system, come out of fight or flight mode. The body Mm -hmm. will just like function significantly better. Sleep will get better. Digestion will get better. Yeah. It it can be really life-changing and it's so simple too. Like there's Mm -hmm. really there's a lot that's going on under the surface and you're just using a couple of needles to make it all happen. It's like magic. Yeah. When, as you were describing this, so I have this, I don't know, image in my head or this thought playing out. So tell me if this is right and correct me if it's not. (laughs) But so what I imagine is, you know, when we get hurt, like you said, like when we cut our finger, right, all of these things are happening within our body that create this healing response. But because it's not an actual injury, that healing response can reallocate to like the different places that our body already needs the healing, but because it doesn't need the attention there at that cut, because there's no cut there, that it can turn its attention to places where it actually needs. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then depending on the points, like the acupuncture points that you're using, you can direct that healing to particular areas of the body. Mm. And that's where the diagnosis, like the diagnostic process comes in. Every person is treated very individually. It's not at all Mm. a cookie cutter type medicine. Like everybody comes in, they get thoroughly screened, like a really in-depth health history will 
feel their pulses and look at their tongue, which is fun. It's part of like just tying it all together. But it's what we're doing is looking at the body as a whole to then determine what their Chinese medicine diagnosis is, which is nothing like getting a Western medicine diagnosis. It will sound like a different language. And then that helps us figure out which points to use on the Mm -hmm. body and how best we can treat the individual. Yeah, I love that. It really gives you like a whole picture of the person to understand what's happening within their body so that we can help the healing process. Um, Yes. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So uh, two surface level questions with that. And I can't remember if I asked you this before, but when you are putting the needles in, do they stay the entire time? Do they stay for a few seconds? Does it depend? How does that piece work? It depends on the age of the person. So I treat children in my office of all ages, babies through teenagers. So the younger the child, the less time the needles will stay in. Sure. Like for, if I'm doing acupuncture on a baby, they only get like one, maybe two needles and they literally go in and come right out. So that's for babies. And that pretty much holds true for babies to two to three-year-olds where the needle goes in and then it comes out because um, children, they're the way I word it to the parents is that they're brand new. They've had hardly any time to mess up their bodies. So they don't need much to get things fixed. And then the older you get, the longer the needle retention is. So for adults, it usually, I give people 20 to 30 minutes, somewhere around there. And it like to rest with the needles. And it it Mm -hmm. sounds weird at first, if you've never had acupuncture before, oh, I'm just laying here with needles sticking out of me. But if you, in theory, it is weird if you've never had it done. But when you're actually receiving the treatment because of all the stuff that I just talked Mm -hmm. about, like how it helps the body, most people get so relaxed that they'll fall asleep or they Mm. go to, I call it the drifty place. I don't really have a better word for it or a better way to describe it, but it's like this interesting place between sleep and awake. It's a meditative state, but I feel like it's deeper than that. Yeah. But yeah. So usually by the time I come take the needles out and get them up, they're surprised. They're like, Whoa, how long has it been? It felt like five minutes. So it, it's weird. I feel like time has no meaning during yeah. an acupuncture treatment. So yeah, the needle retention time is different for everybody. And if somebody is more anxious, mm. what I find with people who have really bad anxiety and are anxious during an acupuncture treatment, if I can get them past a certain point, they finally will relax. Sometimes they just need a little bit longer to rest with the needles before their nervous system finally calms down. Sometimes they're too anxious to get there and we have to do shorter time frames, Mm -hmm. like five, 10 minutes. Build up to it. Exactly. Build up a tolerance. And as they continue getting treatment, they can rest for longer and longer until they can finally hit like the ideal time, which is like that 25 minute sweet spot. Yeah, that makes sense. Since people that are typically struggling with like stress, anxiety, trauma, those pieces, right? Like their bodies are used to being in that mode. And so it takes a little bit longer for the defense (laughs) mechanisms to come down to, oh, okay, it's actually safe. Like we're okay. We can breathe. Yes, exactly. And sometimes 
for people who are really struggling with that, I will leave an arm free for them. So I'll make sure that there's no needles in one arm or one leg, or if they only want needles in a certain body part, Mm -hmm. that's totally fine. I I work with them. Like any acupuncture is better than none. So yeah, whatever their tolerance level is, I, I meet them there. Yeah, I really love that because it gives them the feeling of control, which is what's lost when we experience trauma or stress and anxiety. Like those things all come up because we don't have pieces of control and we needed some control in those moments. And so giving them that that allowance, that permission to like, oh, hey, it's okay. I, I can control this or I can do that. Gives them choices. Yes, exactly. I think that's really important, especially with anybody who's suffering with um, the effects of trauma. They need to feel safe and not to feel like their provider is just doing everything to them. I want it to be a partnership. Let's work together for what's best for you. Mm. I love that. Yeah, because I I feel like even that's very different than what we often experience within Western medicine of, and I talk with other guests about this too, but like this kind of idea that you go in to see this professional and you're, you are sitting there and they're sitting here and there's a very, there's a power dichotomy. There's a lot happening. And really, honestly, it shouldn't be that way because both of you are there for the same reason. And that's to help that person heal. So working as a team only makes sense to allow that person to like find the best methods for them and to really figure out like, how does this work for me? Yeah. Absolutely. And then the other question I had too was how long do the effects of acupuncture Chinese medicine last? So I I guess let me back up from what I understand, the Chinese medicine piece is like a way of life, but acupuncture is like an appointment that you go in for. Is that right? So uh, I'm going to try not, I'm going to try not to go off on too much of a tangent here. So Chinese medicine encompasses, it's got eight different branches basically. So acupuncture is one, Chinese herbs is another one. Qigong, Tai Chi, like exercise is another one. Nutrition is part of it. Gosh, the cupping, gua sha, moxibustion. So those are like massage kind of techniques. So there's eight different branches that encompass Chinese medicine. So when you go see an acupuncturist, you're seeing somebody who is trained in Chinese medicine. So they have learned a little bit about everything, but the main Mm -hmm. focus really is acupuncture. Okay. Yeah. You might receive those some of those other modalities, like the uh, part of the other eight branches or seven mm-hmm. other branches when you go see an acupuncturist. But yeah, you that's acupuncture is the most uh, popular one, the most well-known okay. one. So gotcha. yeah, so when you go see a, an acupuncturist or a Chinese medicine practitioner, same thing, you can use the terms interchangeably. Okay. Sorry, I got off tangent. I was like, what was the question no. again? No, you're good. You're good. I'm curious how so if somebody is going in for treatment or for acupuncture oh how, how long it works yeah how long okay. yeah how long yep. do those effects last does it build up what what happens yeah for sure sorry about that <laughs> no you're good it depends on the person and what they're coming in for and how severe it is mm-hmm. for example like if somebody was coming in oh man it really depends on the person too because mm. some people get results like instantly and I never see them again. Like their results are so good that they're, yeah, 
They're like, good I can, <laughs> yeah, like I can think of at least a handful of people over my years in practice that have had that response where they had one yeah. treatment and they were fantastic forever. Yeah. <laughs> or they might call me in like months, months later and say, hey, I think mm-hmm. I need a tune up. That's definitely less common, but it does happen. So yeah. I, I do tell, I do let people know, like sometimes like miraculous things can happen with acupuncture, but usually what happens, like the most common response that people get is they will feel relief from their symptoms for a couple of days, maybe a week. And then their symptoms might start to creep back to where they were. So that's where the treatment plan comes into place. So when you go to an acupuncturist, if they tell you that they need to see you for twice a week for a week or two, they're, I promise they're not just trying to get your money. They're doing that because that's the most effective way to get results. If you wait too long in between treatments, your symptoms are more likely to start creeping back to where they were. And then you lose your progress and you have yeah. to start over. So if you do one or two treatments a week for a couple of weeks, you're much more likely to get momentum, to build yeah. up, to get longer lasting relief. It's, it's like exercise or anything else. Like you can't just do it once and think, okay, I exercised. I'm in shape forever. Yeah. (laughs) It doesn't work that way. So it's definitely, it can be a process and how long it lasts. That really does depend on the individual. So for most people that I see in my office, they come weekly for like once a week for about a month. Okay. And then we'll reassess at the end of that month and see how their symptoms are doing. And a lot of times what happens at the month mark is they're doing a lot better. So then we get to the point where we start to taper them off the treatments. Like the goal is not to get weekly acupuncture forever, Mm -hmm. unless you really want to. I do have some people that do that. Like it's Mm -hmm. just what they want to do and it works for them. I'm one of them. Like I get acupuncture all the time, but it's easier for, it's easy for me because I can do it on myself, but I do notice the difference when I don't have it done every week. But yeah, the goal is to get to a point where you're on a maintenance plan Mm -hmm. where you receive acupuncture once a month or once every six weeks, some people will come in seasonally and it's really just to maintain the progress that you made when you were doing the consistent acupuncture, like doing it every week. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But the for me anyways, other practitioners might be different, but for me, the goal is I don't want to see you every week. Yeah. I want you to like actually heal this and feel better and live your life. Yeah. And live your life. And you can use, you can come back and use acupuncture as a tool to maintain that progress. Or if something else comes up, if you fall and hurt your wrist or something, like, you know where to go, go get some acupuncture, get it resolved and go back to maintenance. So yeah, it's Mm -hmm. really it's meant to be used as a tool to get get you back to living the way you want to. And then you just, once you're there, then you just use it as part of your wellness routine every so often. But yeah, so res- results definitely vary. And it also depends on what you're doing at home and in your everyday life. Sure. Like if you're doing stuff to continually exacerbate your problem, mm-hmm. then you might need to get acupuncture more frequently. I see that like with athletes, they're coming in oh, for sure. pain and they are not going to take downtime from their sport, which that's you know, it's your body to each their own, but just know you're probably going to have to get acupuncture yeah. all the time to keep mm-hmm. going at a pace like that. So mm-hmm. yeah. 
It's almost like that snowball effect. Like once you can start seeing those results and start to feel the differences and making that progress and then figuring out like where, what the person needs in their life and how that's maintained. And I was just thinking, as you were saying, the athlete piece of if you're going back to that sport or that kind of intensity that I was almost thinking about it in terms of like toxic relationships. So if someone is experiencing stress and anxiety and trauma, and then is coming to you and receiving relief within their body, but then going back to the same relationships that perpetuate the stress and anxiety and trauma, right? They're not going to, you know, it's going to be a a perpetual problem, but that needs to be worked on. I love that analogy so much. Can I borrow that one? Absolutely. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I, I never thought about it in those terms, but as soon as you said that, I'm like, that is so accurate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, that, that throws, that throws us back into it. And so many of the people that I work with typically, like when people call me is when they're like ready to start experiencing things differently. So they know, okay, I know this relationship's not like the best for me, or I know that I want to do things differently. I just don't know how to get from point A to point B. And so a lot of like my work is within those relationships of like, how do we draw better boundaries for ourselves? What does that look like? And so that way the relationship doesn't have to be toxic to you and you don't have to put up with those, those pieces and you can start your healing journey and really make an impact on your nervous system, but also in your life. So you don't have to go back and just re-experience the stuff from who whoever is around, right? You can put things in place that protect you. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So I know we jumped around to different pieces. (laughs) Is there, what other pieces do you want to make sure we touch on in relation to stress and anxiety and, and the emotional pieces of how that shows up in the physical body? How do you, yeah. Sure. So let's see. Something that I would really like more people to be aware of is just the effect that stress and anxiety and emotions overall can Mm -hmm. have on the physical body. Because what I've seen happen sometimes in my practice is there's many different styles of acupuncture and there's different ways to go about treating things. It's part of what makes it so cool is the same person can go see several different acupuncturists and get like a totally different treatment for the same Mm -hmm. thing, which is, it's fun. But if you're focused, like if somebody comes in for low back pain, that's a really common one. If somebody comes in because they want relief from their low back pain and an acupuncturist treats it just as it is like surface level. Okay. You got low back pain. We're going to stimulate blood flow to the low back. Like we're going to focus everything on the low back. If that's the kind of treatment that we're doing and after a couple of weeks, it's just not getting better, that's mm. when I, I in particular will start to look deeper. First, we, we will address like the toxic relationships. Are you continuing to do the sport yeah. or the thing that is exacerbating it? Or have you had an MRI? Do you potentially need a surgery? Um, And if all of those are ruled out, no, I'm not doing anything. Like I don't, like I had an MRI. My doctor says I'm good. There's no tears. There's no disc bulging or anything. That's when I start to look into the emotional piece of it. Mm -hmm. And with that, I have a cool book. It's called Metaphysical Anatomy. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to remember the author's name. 
And for the life of me, I can't remember her name. I feel like it's, it's a flower, it's rose something, but I might be wrong. So I'll get back to you on that. But yeah. Metaphysical Anatomy, it's a really cool book. It's a really big, fat encyclopedia. Mm. But it's got like all of the physical ailments you can possibly think of with very thorough descriptions on what might be causing them emotionally. Ooh. Yeah, you should get this for your practice. <laughs> yeah, it's a really good book. So I refer to it a lot whenever I've got a patient with something that's stubborn, that's not really getting better. Or I look at it for me too. If I, yeah. if I stub my toe or something, I'm like, oh, what does that mean in this book? But yeah, so I'll refer to that book a lot and I'll read the passages to my patients. And there's usually, because it'll give you like different ideas, like it could Mm -hmm. be this, it could be this. There's usually one or two things in that book that are like on point. Oh my God, that's me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But I don't know. I feel like once you're aware that there might be something emotional underneath Mm -hmm. that's causing a physical ailment. I, I feel like it's very empowering because it, mm. it will make you see that there's more to the sure. more to the physical body, more to health than just the physical body. Wow. And it also helps people see just like how it all ties together. Oh yeah, yes. this relationship that I have with my mom, for example, mm-hmm. like it's causing this particular physical issue. So we've been treating my physical issue, but it's not getting better. So maybe I need to mm-hmm. look at my relationship with my mom, mm-hmm. which a lot of people don't want to do. It's not the answer they want to hear, but sure. if they want like if they're going through something that like a physical ailment, that's not getting mm-hmm. better with all the treatment, that's when you got to start looking deeper. Okay. And what I find is that when people are willing to go deeper and have some uncomfortable conversations and mm. do stuff that they wouldn't have considered before it yeah. gets better. Yeah. And there's different ways you can do that with acupuncture, like different ways that you can help a person like clear some of those emotional blocks and like really get to the bottom of something. Mm. And I find them to be really effective. They're not always very pleasant to go through. <laughs> so mm. I, if if I have somebody who's got something stubborn, that's just not getting better, mm-hmm. but all of the doctor tests and blood tests and imaging studies, like everything is saying, there's nothing wrong with you. That's when I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. we need to look deeper. Yeah. How far do you want to take this? Because we can go down a rabbit hole here. <laughs> but it's pretty cool. Once you, once people go down that rabbit hole, when they come out the other side, they're like a new person and their physical symptoms are usually gone. Mm. And so there's, yeah, there's a lot to it. Oh, that's so cool. And I, I want to say initially we were talking about this before. I'm remembering something like the ring of fire. Is that the the dragons? (laughs) Yeah. As soon as you said that, I got it in my head. So I'm going to, I'm going to think of that song every time I do the dragons on somebody. That should be the the soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'll put it on in the background. My patients are having that done. So funny. (laughs) That's so funny. Yeah. Is that kind of what you're referring to when you talk about that? Yeah. That's one way to go about it. So the it's, there's a series of treatments in Chinese medicine, and this is a, a different style of acupuncture. It's called five element style acupuncture, 
which not everybody learns. I, I only learned a tiny little bit of it. There's some acupuncture schools where that's all they teach is five element style. I did not go to a five element style school. So what I've learned has just been like through experience and continuing education. But the dragon treatments are very cool for people who either have deep seated traumas or they've got the physical stuff that just isn't getting better with regular acupuncture. And so there's two different phases to this. There's the internal dragon treatments and then the external dragon treatments. Mm -hmm. And the way it works is if you're going to do it, you have to commit to it. Mm -hmm. So you have to get the internal dragon treatment once a week for three weeks. So you receive the same treatment three times in a row. And then when you're done with that, then you do the same thing with the external dragon treatment. So you receive it once a week, three times in a row. So it winds up being six treatments total, like in a six week span. Mm -hmm. So I only, I never bring this up to somebody who's new. I need to like get to know them first and understand their story and how, just how they are mentally, emotionally, like what their support system at home is, if they're seeing a counselor and all that because they can be really intense treatments, mm-hmm. intense emotionally. Yeah. The, like the needles aren't any bigger or anything like that. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's fewer needles. You only use seven needles for both of these protocols, but yeah, seven little needles pack a really big punch. Mm-hmm. So what they do, the internal dragon treatments are for helping to remove like trauma from the physical body. So it's like somatic work. It it takes it works like EMDR actually. Like it takes the sting out of mm. the triggers, like the emotional triggers and that sort of thing. Yeah. But when you're going through it, especially after the second one, it can feel very intense. People and not always, it depends on the person, but people can feel really intensely emotional and weepy sometimes angry for what feels like no good reason because mm-hmm. what it's doing it's like a purge so that yeah. they think of in Chinese medicine they think of in this particular treatment the dragons are like demons that are trapped in your body mm-hmm. and this treatment helps you to purge them out mm-hmm. which like getting poison out of a wound yeah. it's not pleasant when you're going through it but you can too if you want to get better So that's what that's the internal dragon series does. Once that's done, usually what people feel is much better, like much Mm -hmm. more clear headed, much more like they can look back at whatever trauma it was that they had and not feel triggered by it. They can Mm -hmm. look at things more logically. Mm-hmm. It's actually very cool. I'll usually see people make big life changes after they have this treatment done. Like they might get out of a bad relationship or quit their job or suddenly decide they're going to go to school or move out of state. Like I've seen people have like yeah. really big life changes because whatever this trauma was just really yeah. holding them back. And so when you free them from that, they yeah. can finally move forward. The second part of it, and not everybody gets the second part of it. A lot of people are fine with just the internal dragons. Mm -hmm. But the second part is called the external dragons. And this is more related to thoughts, patterns, habits Mm -hmm. around the trauma that was just cleared. Mm -hmm. So for some people, the internal dragons is all they need and they can move forward just fine. For other people, we remove the trauma, but 
it's almost like muscle memory. Like Mm -hmm. they're stuck repeating the same patterns, even though the trigger, like the physical response isn't there anymore, but they're stuck doing the same things or thinking the same thoughts. That's when the external dragons are really good because it works with resolving all of that. And same with the first series of treatments, it can make you feel weird when you're going through it. It's a different, and I've done all this stuff on myself too. So I speak from personal experience. I'm like, I know exactly how it feels. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when you go through the second one, it feels, feels like you're losing your identity in a way. It feels mm. like an ego death, which is very uncomfortable when it's happening. Cause it's, yeah, <laughs> it, it's very yeah. uncomfortable. But once you're finished with it and you're out the other side, it's freeing because you don't have all of that stuff holding you back anymore. Yeah. And if you ever do find yourself like thinking old thoughts, it's much easier to catch yourself and then, mm-hmm. oh, no, that's not us anymore. Redirect. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go back this way. It's, it, I almost feel like it gives you more of a choice as to how you want to live your life instead of being trapped or stuck Mm -hmm. in old habits and behaviors and thoughts and feelings and all of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're super, super effective for anybody who wants to venture down that path because it's not super pleasant when you're going through it, but it's completely worth it when you come out the other side. Yeah. It's so fascinating to hear you talk about it because I do, I I recognize so many like parallels to EMDR in that it's helping to desensitize us to like the actual memories of the thing that's not happening anymore. Right. And to regulate, but then it's also releasing us from like those patterns. And I love that you, you brought that up of this point where we don't have to live in those patterns and and perpetuate those, but sometimes our bodies and our brains don't know that. (laughs) And so it's like communicating that to them like, Oh, Hey, wait, hold on. We don't actually need to do this toxic relationship again, or we don't need to do whatever the, the pattern is but that we do have that freedom of choice and allowing the body to release that. It's so interesting because it's very clear. I know this cognitively from reading and stuff and through my experience with clients, but the body really does keep um, the trauma. It really does keep the stuff inside. And so allowing the body to release the things is so important to our healing process. It it really is. And I, I think that's, Important for your listeners to know too, is that Mm -hmm. all the talk therapy in the world, it doesn't get rid of the physical body trauma. Like talk, the talk therapy is fantastic. Like it can be so helpful, but yeah, there's, I feel like you need to do something else. Get actually remove the trauma from your body because it really does. It sticks around in there. And sometimes it's sneaky. Like you don't know that's what it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, mm. Ask you. Oh, so I do want to ask, because one of the, the questions that I had written down for you was, so I know you were talking about um, licensed, licensed acupuncturist. So how do you go about finding a licensed acupuncturist? What does that look like? What do you, how do you search for one if they're not in the area to find you? Sure. I don't know about how it works in other countries, but in America... Okay. Hmm. Hold on. There's a couple different states. Okay. So overall, okay. Everybody who goes to acupuncture school 
mm-hmm. gets a degree, like they get a degree either in, it depends on the school. They, I, it's always a master's degree. That's the mm-hmm. first degree. Like it's enough schooling to be a doctorate degree, but I, I think we have lobbying issues. <laughs> and so we're, we don't have the doctor title unless we do an additional two or three years of school. I know it's a crazy amount of, of education, but yeah, it is a lot. So you go to acupuncture school, you have to take national board exams. Okay. With the exception of California acupuncturists, they have their own board exam. Okay. Yeah. But everywhere else with the exception of California, and there's like three other States that don't require taking the board exams. I feel like North Dakota is one of them. Mm -hmm. And it's North Dakota, Louisiana. I can't remember the other one. There's three or four states that don't require you to take the national board exam in California because they do their own thing. But um, every other state, Arizona included, you have to take national board exams. And once you pass your board exams, then you're um, eligible to apply for licensure within your state. I think for pretty much every state except for Florida, I know I'm talking about a lot of states here. This is like super confusing. So hopefully the listeners are like following along. So I know it's confusing for me too, but everybody except for people in Florida are, they get the title licensed acupuncturist. So the initials, if you see it, like after somebody's name, it'll be a capital L period, capital A, little C period. So if you see those initials, that's licensed acupuncturist. Um, In Florida, I think they're called acupuncture physicians. So their title is AP, but everywhere else it's it's LAC, but big L little (laughs) or big A little C. It's not like the licensed um, care LPCs or. Yeah. I feel like we've got the same, like the counselors have similar titles and it's confusing. So it is. Yeah. (laughs) It's super confusing. So if you're looking to receive acupuncture, go to a licensed acupuncturist. And when you go to their websites, look at their about me, their Mm -hmm. bio to see where they went to school because you want them to have gone to an acupuncture school. What is very confusing for a lot of people, especially in Arizona, because it's Mm -hmm. in some ways, it's like the wild west here, um, is that other people can practice types of acupuncture here who aren't licensed acupuncturists. It's some physical therapists, chiropractors, and who else? Some MDs too will take training in dry needling. So dry needling is acupuncture. Like by definition, it's the same thing as what you're doing. It's acupuncture. Mm But usually the people who take those dry needling classes, they get like a weekend of training, which is a little terrifying to me. So some people will call me and they'll say, oh, I've had dry needling before, but I'm nervous to get acupuncture because the dry needling hurt. And I'm like, yeah, that's partly because they don't, they get like a weekend of training. And also that training is the different, it's heavy handed. It's meant to be painful. Like I'm not a big fan of dry needling. I've written several papers about it over the course of my schooling, like the difference between real acupuncture and dry needling. Sure. Like physically dry needling is acupuncture, but it takes out the whole scope of the medicine. Mm -hmm. There's no, you don't do tongue and pulse diagnosis. You don't know where any of the 
points link up to. It's really just my shoulder hurts. I'm going to put a needle in my shoulder. That's what dry needling is. For some people, it works for them. So if it works for you, totally whatever to each their own. It's just, it makes me feel icky and uncomfortable. Like they're they're encroaching on our territory here a little bit without proper training. And I don't know. I feel like it's the equivalent of if I went to a weekend seminar where I learned dry physical therapy Mm -hmm. and then I, (laughs) for lack of a better way of describing it. And then I started Mm -hmm. offering that as a service. I wouldn't try, I wouldn't trust me (laughs) for the weekend of training. So if anybody is looking to receive like real acupuncture, find Mm -hmm. a licensed acupuncturist who went to acupuncture school, Mm -hmm. which will be either a three or a four year program. Okay. It's a master's program. And in order to be licensed, you, except for those three states or the two mm-hmm. states that I mentioned, because I can't remember which one the third one is, you have to have taken your board exams and passed them. Okay. Yeah. And when somebody is licensed in acupuncture, is that, does that also mean that they have education in Chinese medicine? Do those, is that how that works? Yeah. So they will have learned because there's the eight branches of Chinese medicine. They will for sure have learned the acupuncture piece. They will have learned all the theory, the cupping, the gua sha, the moxibustion. They'll have learned all of that. The one exception is the herbal piece. Not every school teaches the herbal portion Mm. and not every state requires it. If you're looking for somebody to do Chinese herbs, you just need to make sure that they are licensed or they're trained in herbalism. It it will usually say that on their, on their bio. And if you're ever unsure, you could always just call them and ask them because there's different degrees depending on the school you go to. Like me as just because it's my profession, like I can look at somebody's like master's degree title and be like, Oh Mm -hmm. yeah, they were trained in herbs, but regular people who don't go to acupuncture school, they wouldn't know that. So it's confusing, but if you're looking for somebody who can do Chinese herbs in addition to acupuncture, just ask them if they're trained in it. Yeah. So in the state of Arizona, you do not have to be trained in herbs to be an acupuncturist. So it's optional. Okay. Yeah. So some people receive the training here. Some people don't. At the one school in Arizona or one of two schools in Arizona, they do offer herbs. So okay. some people choose to do it and others don't. So it's yeah. optional. Okay. That's helpful. Just because I know for me, I know how to look for a licensed therapist, but I, because that's my profession, but when finding someone who is in fact, like legit and knows what they're doing and and has had the training, I think that's really important finding, finding somebody that has done more than a weekend and that has received the right training. So that way you're looking for someone that's going to help you through with the right procedure for you. Totally. Oh, and something I wanted to add in Arizona also, because it's the wild west here. Um, Mm. Naturopaths can also do acupuncture here. It's within their scope of practice, not dry needling, but acupuncture because they, they do receive a big, like part of their training in naturopath school, at least if they've learned it in Arizona at the school here, it is acupuncture in Chinese medicine. It's not nearly as comprehensive as when you go to acupuncture school. So if you see a naturopath and they say they offer acupuncture, it is technically within their scope of practice. And they will definitely have had more training than mm. the, the chiropractor who went to dry needling class one weekend. 
However, some naturopaths will also go to acupuncture school. I actually had several classmates in when I was in school who were going to both schools at the same time, which was wildly impressive to me. I don't know how they had time. So yeah, there are some naturopaths who are also licensed acupuncturists. So Mm. I just wanted to throw that out there. There's there's a lot to know about the licensure and who can practice in this particular state. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot to to learn and categorize and understand as you're looking for someone. So I appreciate you going into the details for us. Yeah. Then we'll go ahead and take a quick break and we'll be back here in just a moment. I wanted to take a quick pause to share with you a few resources. So if you are looking for ways to find more grounding and more mindfulness into your daily life and with real actionable steps, I've developed a workbook that will walk you through developing this skill. It comes from a trauma-informed lens. So if you've tried mindfulness before and you felt like it was more triggering than useful, you could have been actively dealing with a trauma response. So this workbook is designed for trauma survivors, and more than that, it gives you actionable steps and it's packed with information. So whether your schedule looks like a stay-at-home caregiver, whether you're someone who works a nine-to-five or something else entirely, there's something in this workbook for you. So you can head over to soulmission-emdrtherapy.com slash podcast. You can subscribe for our newsletter where you'll get reminders once a month about new content and an email with that free workbook. Again, that link is soulmission-emdrtherapy.com slash podcast, and you can find that link in the show notes. If you are enjoying this episode, and I truly hope that you are, if you think that it might be useful for someone else, please consider leaving us a review on your favorite podcast platform or on podchaser.com, because that is the best way to get the word out about this podcast. And lastly, if you'd like to work with me and you live in either Arizona or Florida, I now have openings for EMDR intensive sessions. These are sessions that are longer than your standard 50-minute therapy session and can really help you reach a place of grounding and healing from past trauma quicker than the standard talk therapy session once per week. So if you'd like to find out more about this, I invite you to set up a free 15-minute consultation where we can chat about if this type of work is right for you. Uh, It is also a great accompaniment for if you are already working with a therapist and you're having a hard time breaking through some kind of block or trauma response or trauma trigger. You can go to soulmission-emdrtherapy.com slash contact, which will be in the show notes. All right, let's get back to today's episode. Okay, so we are back in our Moving Out of Trauma podcast, and this section is called Providers Aren't Robots. And so in this section of the show, I just like to talk about an example of our humanness, because I know when, like we already touched on a little bit earlier, sometimes there can be this like power dichotomy between the helping professional and the person coming in for the help. And I just want to make that go away because I don't think that should be a thing as far as we should be working as a team. And so I I think humanizing us a little bit is helpful and to know that, Hey, we're actually, we're people too. We're not robots. Yeah. So do you have an example of how you are actually a human being and not a robot that you would like to share? I have a really funny story from when I was like a brand new practitioner. (laughs) Okay. So I, my very first job after 
graduating acupuncture school and getting my license was at a community acupuncture clinic. So community clinics are, they're done in a group setting. So it's usually just a big room with a lot of chairs in it. And they're like, you still get a full treatment, but you get less time and interaction with the acupuncturist. So what the acupuncturist will do is sit on one of those rolling stools and roll from person to person. So one person is, you know, sitting in a chair and I'll talk to them for a sec. Hey, what's going on? I'll feel their pulses real quick. It's it's very fast acupuncture. Um, It's actually how they do it in China. Yeah. So it's definitely got its place here. That being said, I'm glad I don't do it anymore because it's very taxing just Mm -hmm. being around so many people, but you get experience very quickly when you work in a community clinic. I was probably a couple months out of school at this point. Yeah, it was Halloween in 2014, like Halloween day. We dressed up like everybody in the office and the clinic dressed up that day. So I was wearing this ridiculous costume. <laughs> I, it was a steampunk. I was wearing like a steampunk <laughs> outfit. Like I had the big goggles and boots oh, and like chains. It was really silly, but it was a full house. There were 12 people in the room. Like everybody was laying down. Like I had gotten to everybody. This was my busiest ship so far. And since I had been working, it was my busiest ship. So I was like, just, okay, we're going to do this. So there's 12 people like in this room and I was about to work on the last person to sit down. So I'm like, okay, you're person number 12. Cool. The room is full. After you, I can like go take a bit of a break, let Mm -hmm. everybody rest for a bit. Yeah. And I would have to like walk over to, there were like needle stations in between Mm -hmm. all of the chairs. So I walked over to the needle station to like sanitize my hands and grab a pack of needles. And I grabbed a pack of needles. I opened them. I've got all the needles in one hand and then I go to sit down on my stool and I don't know what happened. I missed like the stool. We had these brand new wood floors and the stool was like WD 40 up or something. So it just zipped out from behind me. And I swear I could see it happening in slow motion. I feel like I had an out of body experience here. I'm like in a room full of people I'm wearing this ridiculous costume and I've got a handful of needles (laughs) and I realized that the stool is not going to be where I need it to be when I sit down. And so I'm just like, oh crap. Oh no, I'm going to fall right on my butt in the middle of a room full of people on Halloween with needles. And yeah, it was just so funny. But what was funny is that I had been taking kickboxing classes and I, at the time, and I developed really good reflexes. So like my, the hand that wasn't holding needles shot out behind me and hit the floor and broke my fall basically. And I was able to bounce myself back up. I don't even know how I did this. It was like the matrix. And it it was just so funny. And I never dropped the needles in the other hand. Like I still had all of the needles. So like I fall, I catch myself, I bounce back up. And then I was able to like very quickly grab the stool, the the Uh runaway stool and sit on it properly. And then I I sat down. And what was funny is that the person I was about to work on, they had just closed their eyes. So they didn't even see this happen. (laughs) And I... It was funny because he like had this moment where he noticed for a second that I wasn't there. So he had closed his eyes and then he opened them and was like, oh, are you okay? I was like, yep, 
totally fine. Just played it off like it. Yep. And so I just put the needles in and I'm looking around me when I was done. Oh my God, did anybody see that? But everybody was out. Everybody was asleep. Wow. The whole room was asleep. Nobody saw this awesome fall that I did. (laughs) And so, and the whole time I'm taking care of this last patient, I wanted to laugh so bad. I'm sure. But I had to really put on my professional face there. So I got him taken care of. And then I realized that nobody else saw this happen. Mm -hmm. And I leave the room and I died of laughter as soon as I got out of the room. And the receptionist was like, are you okay? And I like, I couldn't even talk at that point. I'm like, it was just so funny. And when I finally could speak again, I was like, you're not going to believe what I just did. I just fell in a room full of people and nobody saw it happen. And it was, and they slept through it. They slept through the whole thing. And it was an awesome fall. And I like picked myself up. I didn't drop my needles. That's so funny. That's one of those things you wish you had on camera. I'd be like, look at this thing I did. I really do. Yeah. I really wish I had that on camera and there were, they had cameras in the lobby, but there were no cameras in the treatment space. So I'm like, man, that would have been awesome if that was caught, just caught on video footage. Well, that's too funny. Girl. So that's always, that, and I was I a brand it. new practitioner too. So I don't know. It felt like it took the seriousness out of the yeah. medicine. And ever since then, I've noticed that it's easier to be more more lighthearted about it. Cause it can be really yeah. heavy work sometimes. And sure. so, but then sometimes you just you fall in the treatment yeah. room and you can't help, but just laugh at yourself. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we're human too. Sometimes we fall when we're wearing silly costumes and we're holding needles and there's 12 people in the room. And That's yeah, right. <laughs> I still that that is so funny that they they still they slept through it like yep they were out like nobody even noticed a thing oh my gosh that's funny yep I couldn't believe that nobody saw it happen wow mm-hmm. I, I feel like if there was a, like if there were less people in the room maybe it would have been more likely but there's something to the community vibe that makes the treatments a little bit more restful like sure. <laughs> just a very sleepy vibe so because the room was so full like everybody yeah. was just in there sleeping and then here's the acupuncturist falling over and <laughs> <laughs> that's funny I love that that's a good, that's a good example of your humanness. I love uh-huh. it. That's perfect. Mm. Luckily um, I didn't fall on anybody. So at least there was yeah. that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I still can't get over that. You were able to catch yourself. Like <laughs> Me neither. That's when I knew, oh yeah, the kickboxing classes are working. <laughs> paying off. Yeah. Keep going to those. Yep. That's so funny. Mm. What is one trauma tip you wish that more people would know about? I really like to have this part of the show also be about like giving people something that they can walk away from, something that they can use today so that they could start moving out of that trauma that they're holding. So what would be something that you share with clients or that you feel would be helpful for somebody in that those shoes? Sure. I'm glad that you asked this question. I love that people can walk away with something. I really recommend grounding. And I use a lot of stones and rocks and stuff in my treatments. This is also good for people who really don't want a lot of needles. I will do acupressure with stones. (laughs) But I also, I have a dish, like a little dish of lapidolite. It's a stone Mm -hmm. that 
it's sparkly and it's really high in lithium content. The, that's what the sparkles are. It's lithium. That's a medication yeah. that people receive mm-hmm. when they're, when they have bipolar disorder and other mood disorders. But I really like this particular rock because just holding it will make you feel calmer. So I have a jar or a dish of this in my office. I literally pass it out like candy. Like some people have a candy dish. I have a rock dish. So <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So for, I don't give it to everybody, but for people who are really struggling with stress and anxiety, mm. I will let them choose a rock mm. and they get to take it home, keep it with them, put it in their pocket, put it in their purse. A lot of women will stick it in their bra and I will suggest that they use the rock outside while they're grounding. So Mm. you take the rock, you go home or at the park or wherever you can get your feet on earth. Mm -hmm. If you don't have grass, like we live in Arizona, most people have rocks. So I don't have grass in my yard, but I do have rocks. It's not good to stand on, but it's fine for just sitting in a chair and placing your feet on the rocks. So this is what I do when I get home. (laughs) I'll go outside in my backyard. I will put my feet in the rocks I'll hold my lipidolite. I have a really big one. The ones that I pass out are small. They're still effective, but I like my big ones. So I'll go sit out in the rocks while holding my rock. Mm. There's a couple of acupressure or acupuncture Mm -hmm. points on the palm of the hand that are really good for stress and anxiety. So even just holding a rock will stimulate these two points that are on the palm of the hands to help calm the nervous systems. Grounding with your bare feet on the earth while holding a piece of lipidolite is very good for trauma. So if you're having, if somebody is in a trigger, has been triggered or is in a trauma response or is struggling with a repetitive thought or something like that, this is a really good, a really helpful tool to pull you out of it. Mm-hmm. And if you are in a place like if you're at work or something where you're unable to go outside mm-hmm. and get barefoot, you can just have the lipidolite. Like I said, you can have it on your person. So you can just grab it, have it in the palm of your hands and use it to stimulate the the acupressure points that are on the palm of your hands. It helps to take the edge off. Mm. It's easy. It's easy to hide. Like you can do this without anybody knowing that you're doing it. And it's like a good reset. So Mm. especially if you're in public somewhere and you don't quite have the opportunity to separate yourself entirely, but you need to push through somehow, like this is a really good way to just help reset, get you through whatever it is you're doing so that you can Mm. then go home and like actually collect yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I Ah, did this. I did this a lot when I was in acupuncture school. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Cause you're taking the home stuff you need to clear out too. And yeah, I love that. I am a huge fan of grounding and I haven't heard of that one. So I'm going to have to look that up, but I love rocks. My husband complains a lot because uh, the outside <laughs> comes inside in our house, <laughs> so, not just with me, but with my one and a half year old. So. I was just going to say, it's going to get worse as your kid gets older because oh. they love to bring rocks inside. They love rocks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Every time we go out, we're coming in from the outside. He'll have like little hands and his hands are so tiny. So he'll just have little bits and he, okay, we're going to leave these right here for later. <laughs> So yeah, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree in that one. (laughs) Yeah, you'll start finding them in weird places. Um, If you discover your purse is really heavy one day, it's probably Mm -hmm. because he put 
rocks in your purse. Like, oh, hey. As my, my daughter has done once. Oh, my I goodness. was like, why is my bag so heavy? And I found a bunch of river rocks in there. Like, she took a bunch of rocks from They're the river. We <laughs> they were special. Mom. Oh, I love that. I love that. Uh, okay, so the last bit um, of our show is the final fast, sometimes funny questions um, that, again, I just like to end the show this way because it's fun and I think it hones in, again, on our humanness. The first question is, where would you go if you could visit any place on Earth? That changes depending on the day. Oh, so, sure. yeah, it's funny you asked that question because just this morning I was thinking, I don't want to go to Oregon right now. <laughs> I've never hmm. been to Oregon in my life. I'm from Southern California. I've been all over California, like high, like really up there, Northern California, yeah. like the Eureka, Arcata area. I've never been to Oregon. And I I had a client recently who just got back from there, like from the Southern part, like nice. where the beaches are beautiful. And I'm like, mm. I kind of want to go there right now. So as of today, <laughs> it'll probably be different tomorrow, but right now. I think Southern Oregon would be really nice. I love that. I love that. Should pineapple be on pizza? (laughs) That's a hard question. (laughs) I I say it's hard because I like have dietary restrictions. Like I can't eat real pizza anymore. Like I I can't have the gluten or the dairy, but Mm. when I could have gluten and dairy, I was not opposed to pineapple on pizza. It wasn't what I wanted all the time, but if I was at somebody's house and they had pineapple, like the Hawaiian pizza, I'd be like, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll have a slice of that. I'll have a slice. I'm definitely not a pineapple on pizza hater. I know some people are like adamantly opposed to it. It can get really polarized for I some know. reason. And that's why I like the question. I personally love pineapple on pizza. I love when the pineapple is cold and the pizza is hot. I don't know why, but I think that's delicious. Um, so I'm a fan, but I'm also totally okay. If people don't like pineapple on pizza, that's fine too. (laughs) That's so funny. Yeah. I'm, I guess I'm cool with it. It's good. Yeah. It's a good thumbs up. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) What makes you feel inspired or motivated to do this work that you love? The people like the results that they get. And I'm sure you get this too. And you're just doing what you do. Like witnessing the healing that can happen yeah. is so magical. And yeah. it, it, every, every time I see change happen, it just reaffirms why I do this work and why I wanted to do it in the first place is just when you can see somebody's life change, like before your eyes and yeah. they're like a totally different person. Yeah. That's what it's all about. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. It is it is definitely magic. That is for sure. What is one thing that people are generally surprised to find out about you? I feel like there could be a couple different things here. Let's see. (laughs) I have been around various different countries. Like I've been around the world on several trips by myself. Usually that surprises some people. They're like, you went where by yourself? Um. It, it was never really because I wanted to take solo trips. It was always because it wasn't anybody else's priority to go on trip. If I had friends that I would ask, Hey, I want to go, I'm going to go to Europe. Do you want to come with me? Oh, I can't. I have work. I got obligations. And instead of being defeated by that and just 
saying, Oh, I guess I can't go. I just decided I'm just going to go anyways. (laughs) I love that. Yes. So just to enjoy the adventure. I love that. Yeah. And then I discovered that it's really easy to meet other travelers when you're traveling by yourself. So Mm -hmm. you make friends, make friends. I love that. What does a simple moment of pure joy look like for you? Oh, it's usually playing with my daughter. She's four. I have a four-year-old. A simple moment of pure joy would usually be playing with my daughter. Although if my daughter wasn't involved, it's something to do with water. Mm. Like we just spent a a really long day at the lake a week or two ago and, and my daughter was there. So that whole day was just joy. So anything water related, anything with my daughter. So Mm -hmm. yeah. And the river rocks that come home with you. (laughs) And the magical river rocks. Yep. That's right. I love (laughs) that. Yeah. Thank you so much, Nicole, for just diving into this conversation with me today and having some fun along the way. I really appreciate you sharing all of your wisdom and your light and everything that you've shared. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It was great to do this. Thank you so much for joining me today on Moving Out of Trauma. If you'd like today's episode and you think it might be useful for someone else, please consider leaving us a review on your favorite podcast platform or on podchaser.com. And if you have any questions at all, I would absolutely love to hear from you. You can find me over on Instagram at soulmission underscore EMDR therapy or on Facebook at soulmission EMDR therapy. If you'd like, please stay tuned for the visualization exercises coming up next to transition to the next part of your day. And remember, you did not choose trauma and you can choose your path towards healing. This is Moving Out of Trauma. So I just want to invite you to find a comfortable position and to make sure that you're doing this exercise somewhere uh, safe, somewhere where you feel um, that you can take a few moments for yourself um, and definitely not while you're driving. So we're going to start with the container activity and then move into the calm state place. So it's good to have a secure place where you can store memories and issues and and things that may need still some work. but also maybe you don't need to focus on them right at this point. So if you think about it almost like cleaning up the files on your desktop computer, so you can just feel a little bit less overwhelmed and focus a little bit more efficiently. Files are in a safe place. You can access them the next time that you need to. So to start creating this container, I'd like you to imagine some kind of container or storage system that can securely hold as much as you need it to for as long as you need it to until you're ready to work on it again. So this container can be something you imagine. It could be something that's real. We just wanna make sure that this container has a lid or some type of secure closure. So that way there's a way to take things out only when you want to. Now it's important to note, we don't wanna put people in containers, but we can put memories and feelings and any kind of situations. So take a moment and really think about what that container might look like. Notice how the container feels. 
Notice how it feels that it's there for you. Should you choose to use it or when you choose to use it. And now if you need to use that container, I want you to picture allowing whatever needs to go in there to take its place in there. This can happen slowly. This can happen quickly. However it needs to happen, it's okay. Just allow the pieces, the memories, the thoughts, the feelings, the situation, whatever it is, to just slowly take its place into that container. Now, once you feel like the things that need to be in the container are in there, I want you to close that container. Some people like to imagine that there's a lock there or some kind of secured closure beyond just a a lid. So if you like, you can go ahead and lock that. And then just imagine it kind of taking its place back into wherever it needs to be. So this could be a place that you think of in your home. This could be an imaginary place, wherever it is. Just some place that we know that it's there when we need it. And now we're going to transition to that calm state change place. So this is a really good activity to develop a couple of ways to feel more calm and secure without really needing to rely on something or someone external than us. So one way we can do this to create this type of place that you can visit internally whenever you want, kind of like having an instant mini vacation on demand. So see if you can think of a place where you might feel a sense of calm or a sense of well-being. You can imagine a place that's similar to one that you've experienced or heard about read about. It's best not to use a specific memory with people though from your own history. So some people like to think of the beach or the woods, mountains, maybe someplace they feel cozy. So just notice this place. Notice what you hear. Notice what you smell. Look around. What do you see? What do you feel? Maybe either the temperature, the time of day, even down to how you feel in your body as you imagine yourself in this place. Really just allowing yourself to soak up every single positive part of this place. The way it looks, the things that you hear, the things that you smell, the things that you might be able to touch, any textures or temperatures, and really encapsulating what you feel in your body as you're in this place 
as long as it feels good and calm and a place of centeredness. Now knowing that this place is always available to you because it is within you. It's a place of your very own making. A place that you can return anytime you need. Whether it's for the quick deep breaths, returning the center, or maybe even winding down for the evening. This place is always here for you. this recording is going to finish but if you'd like to stay in this place a while longer you're certainly more than welcome to do so and I hope that you'll join me next time on moving out of trauma